Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today? Uh, apparently, really, really got a lot to talk about for movies from 2012. We do, or- and if you're interested, by the time you're able to listen to this, uh, since we generally release these on Tuesdays, that means you should probably stop by the Blizzard Watch podcast for our pre-show, because that's usually when this stuff carries over. <laughs> Uh, but we're not going to talk about old movies, uh, or movies from the early 2000s at this point. Uh, we are going to be talking about your questions. Uh, we were going to do something about the Sylvanas novel, and there is actually a question in here regarding the Sylvanas novel, uh, a little bit, but I want to give people a little more time to get through it, especially because it is a very good book. It's actually one that I'm reading and listening to, because I am listening to the audiobook because... Uh, Patty Madison's doing the the vocalization for it, and how could you not, um, uh, for a second time. And I want to make sure that I have all of my uh, T's crossed and my I's dotted before we, you know, do anything about it and also give people time to do it and have their their option to read through it. So, that, you know, not spoilers or massive friends. Uh, when we get to that one, I'll, I'll bring it out there. So instead, we're going to be going through some questions, uh, a couple that we got from uh, last week and then several that have trickled in over the course of the last week. If you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, make sure you specify what show it is for so that we do not argue or fight about it. We might still do it. Uh, Matt and I have both been known to steal questions for the other shows, for our shows, uh, when the mood has struck us. Uh, and then we, if you don't want to do email, you can go ahead and hit us on our Discord server. Uh, we do have... Uh, patron Q and podcast question section where you can go ahead and uh, toss your questions in there. And we do look there first as a way of saying thank you to our patrons for continuing to support us. Uh, and then uh, if you are not a Patreon supporter, again, we know times are tough and not everybody can do uh, everything all the time as far as monetarily supporting us. We get it. But listening to us is also a great way of supporting us. And we appreciate that, too. You can go ahead and throw them in our Q&A podcast questions channel where we will look there as well uh, and grab those questions. Uh, that was a little rambly, and I apologize. It has been a very long day, and I am running off of caffeine. Uh, but before we get into anything else, let's get into the questions. Uh, this one is from Katara. It's a bit of a long one. So I'm going to read it through and then we're going to discuss it. Uh, Building off the previous discussion about the first ones just being Titans, I have an alternate theory. What if Azeroth isn't a Titan? Matt mentioned the probability of other realms having Xerath installations, Vitae, Umbra, Ordos, etc. Firm's notes mention the six realms with Azeroth residing at a nexus of sorts. As shown in the cosmology charts from both Chronicle and the Grimoires of the Shadowlands, and then a seventh that both is and isn't the six uh, but covets what they have. When escaping from the Maw in the Shadowlands intro sequence, the first one's gate reacts to us alone, specifically to the heart of Azeroth. These gates are programmed to operate only for the first ones. So what if Azeroth isn't a Titan soul at all, but in, instead is really the resting place of the first one's souls, not only of the realm of death, but of every realm. In Diablo, uh, Diab- Diablo, 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 An- Diablo, in Diablo, Anu split its darkness into Tathamet and the eternal conflict after their deaths uh, brought reality into existence. What if the world of Warcraft is sort of the same idea? The material plane springing forth into being at the convergence point of the death of every plane's progenitor essence. What if Azeroth is literally the center of the universe? What if the seventh force we were warned of is effectively a shade of the initial primal essence desiring to return to that which existed before it was fractured into the various planes? That's a whole lot of what ifs, but it feels plausible to me. Some of this stuff is actually things we've talked about before, and I and I brought this up, Matt's brought this up in, in different degrees. Uh, we talked about this when Anne was still on the show with us way back when Chronicle first came out, if you remember, about the oddity of Azeroth being sort of this nexus point of all of the realms. That is definitely significant, especially with like firms, notes and things like that. At least I feel it is. I feel it continues to be significant. I don't know about the soul portion, though. We do know that Azeroth is special. We do know that Azeroth is powerful. We do know that Azeroth is coveted, not just by, in this case, uh, the jailer for his purposes, uh, which seem to be fuel, actually, now that I'm going through the cinematic in my brain 
uh, because apparently beneath Ice Crown Citadel are turbines, because that's a thing that happened, apparently. Um, well, actually, that's not surprising. You remember if you ever went into the original, um, when you were running the Ice Crown 5s, you see that right. whole mechanism. That's yeah, right. That whole mechanism's uh, been there the whole time. That's where the furnace is based too, right? Isn't it like the furnace? Yeah, is, the, uh, yeah. The, I want to say Maw of Souls, but it's not the Maw of Souls. Uh, but the the whole area there that we we when you go in and fight Bronjim and that stuff that was there from the beginning. We never had any idea why it was there. Like it was never stated. Why does Arthas have this giant soul engine underneath the Ice Crown Citadel? We never saw any real reason for it. So. That's actually a straight up callback. I, I was actually pretty impressed that they, they dug that out and, and used it. It implies that even while he was trying to maintain his own individuality, Arthas was still acting in concert with the jailer's goals. But yeah, that, that's, that's been established. I think one of the things we need to do here is actually start thinking about the concept of what does the word Titan mean here? Yeah. Um, because we know for a fact that there's a certain malleability to the Titans. Uh, we've seen a fell Titan in that we've seen Sargeras become a fell Titan. Uh, we've seen, you know, at least we know that the old gods want a void Titan and they seem to think a void Titan would be integral to their plans. What is a Titan? Therefore, what, what are the, we know that we, we think we know where the Titans come from because they're on the cosmology chart, but what are, what are they? What is, what is their actual existence about? What are they here to do? Are they supposed to be doing what they're doing? Like, is the ordering of our cosmos something that they're supposed to be involved in? Or is it them doing that because they don't know what else to do? Like, there's there's a ton about the Titans we really don't know. We don't know, like, what their relation to the First Ones is. We don't know what their relationship to the Eternals is. We know that the Eternal Ones are essentially giant anima robots. Like, whether or not the beings... That, like, I don't know if they have souls. I don't know what... If if there's a like if there are immortal beings that died and went to the Shadowlands or were created in the Shadowlands, this is all stuff we don't really know. There are a lot so, of variables, yeah. And yeah. Then, we we've had some speculation on it too. And we talked about this last week, actually. Uh, I think a little bit on the regular podcast where we talked about now knowing what we know about what the Pantheon of Death is and how they seem to be at a similar level as the titans almost mm -hmm. yeah that absolutely. now that starts to throw into question things about the titans and now that we look at the, like how the titans forged their creations and looking back at some of the dungeons like um the ones around aldabar uh what is it the uh halls of thunder halls of stone uh, halls, halls of lightning, lightning. Halls of stone. Yeah. and technically speaking the halls of valor would have been the third one true but there are in halls of valor is another great example because this does happen in halls of valor as well um it's rows upon rows of these construct bodies without anything animating them waiting for something to be animated and we see that in the shadowlands we see that particularly in zareth mortis we see that in the sepulcher um which that's actually nothing interesting thing that since you said that because it does kind of imply something as to the fractal relationship of these things okay sorry i had to cough um if you look at it like well you see that the Titan forged on Azeroth are created by the Titans to do their work on Azeroth without the Titans themselves having to actually be there, right? Correct. Then when we go to the Shadowlands in Zareth Mortis, we see the Eternal Ones are like the first ones creations that act, operate much the same way, down to the you know rows same, and rows. Same of with the progenitor robots too, like we see yeah. in Zareth in the raid, the Sepulchral raid. Mm -hmm. So. What if the Titans themselves are the first ones version of that? What if the first ones are the ones who put the Titans? We know that the Titans, the, the things that become Titans, the world souls were somehow cast into our reality. The first ones might have where. done it. Yeah. The first ones might've been the ones who did it in much the same way that the Titans made Titan forged and put them on Azeroth. It's a means to operate in a plane of reality that you don't normally exist in. Because that's a, that's and, another thing. Sorry, not to not to cut you off, but like 
now you got me thinking about it because that's one thing that does come up a lot is the veil between the planes, right? That was a huge thing as a catalyst mm -hmm. for the Shadowlands to begin with is that there is a barrier that does separate our universe from the other planes of existence. This is why, like, to go to the Emerald Dream, you need to have a portal. You need to have a way in. You need to have mm -hmm. something that tears through that barrier. Same thing and with... And that's how the Legion, you know, comes from the various, uh, the Twisting Nether to our reality. They have to make portals. Yeah, which is why they needed the Sunwell in the first place at one point. That's why they needed the incredible power that they did. That's why they flung... Uh, the Lich King, they flung the Helm of Domination and the and Frostmourne into our world instead of having somebody carry it there. These are all because they couldn't breach the barrier except for small gaps or small moments, right? Yeah, like the whole bit about where uh, the, the, the Avatar of Sargeras was all about the fact that Sargeras couldn't penetrate by himself. Which is why he yeah. fractured his soul and sent a piece of it into Animated Construct. And think about this, too. The very existence of the old gods is the same principle from the from the void, the void. Lord's perspective. It is, yeah. Ooh, yeah, they, yeah. they threw up they threw stump something of themselves into our reality. What if when when the Titans when the Titans call Azeroth the final Titan, it might literally be the last thing that was cast into our reality. It might be Or Yeah, or it might be the thing they're constructing to do that from Azeroth and into another existence. I don't know. I, There's lots of possibilities here. I actually have a theory on this that I've been thinking about a little while, and I want to run it by you, Matt, and you, our listeners, and see what you think about it. I'm starting to think that the reason that Azeroth is so important is that Azeroth isn't necessarily exactly a titan in the traditional sense, not in so much that it was solely cast into the plane. But I think there might be something to this just with how the world is and some of the stuff that we've seen throughout the history of it. Everything seems to be an amalgamation point on Azeroth. What if that's because Azeroth is the remnants of what was flung in from all of the realms. It is void. It is light. It is arcane. It is life. It is death. Uh, it is all these things, all these vestiges that have coalesced into a single being. And instead of this idea that like Sargeras was going to corrupt it or these other, the void lords are going to corrupt it, is they're just trying to tip the balance they're trying to tip it so that one thing is more than the other is more than the sum of its parts because a lot of the other worlds we go to yeah there's magic and stuff like that but they're always so <sighs> ethereal is not the right word they always tend to be skewed a very like one way heavier than the others whether it's uh draenor having too much spirit because there's nothing consuming it and so the world is being consumed alive by plant by plants by sentient plants uh, or Argus, which was this uh, magically gifted, essentially, like it wasn't a technocracy, but it was essentially the magic equivalent of that at the time, uh, where it skewed very heavily into the arcane uh, before the light and before everything else, before we, we brought that to them. Everything sort of like teeters one way heavier than the others. But on Azeroth, it's not necessarily the case. Everything sort of, I don't want to say balances across itself perfectly. But everything can exist here. There is no one thing stronger than the other, right? Like, look at the classes we play in as well. Like, priests, they're equal parts light and void. The, the, we have warlocks that exist alongside of the arcane casters of, of the Kirantor. We have a lot of the stuff that seems to indicate that unlike other realms that we visited or areas that we we know about or hear about or have been told existed, we are sort of this weird balance, but we are this weird nexus. What if that's because Azeroth itself is just a compiling of all of it? What do you think, Matt? Am I completely off my rocker? I don't think you're off your rocker. I just think that it's one of the situations where I think to a certain degree, we constantly, we focus a little too much on these, the idea of these forces as things. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas it's more along the lines of, I'm going out of the franchise here. Uh, it won't be too Warhammer, so you know, sorry. Matt doesn't um, want to start me going. That's why. <laughs> but if you think about the the beginning of Jack Kirby's uh, Fifth World, mm. the concept of, and at the end, the old gods fought, and the old gods died, and from their death came the two new worlds of New Genesis and Apocalypse. Uh, and going back to the reference to Tathamet and Anu. Um, we have no idea what happened to the first ones. We don't know, for example, if the first ones were in agreement about what should be done or what they were doing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, to now reference yet another game franchise, uh, in Dragon Age, there's the myth of the of the gods who were at war with another group of gods that you know, and the the Dread Wolf tricked both groups and sealed them away, which of course is not what happened, but you know, that's it's a myth someone told. There, I keep coming back to the idea that you know. <clears throat> We keep talking about balance, but what if it's not a balance? It's not a balancing point. Uh, it's the place. What if Azeroth is where the first ones stood when they did whatever they did to create the planes? What if it's where they tread when they built the Zareths, if there are multiple of them? If they built Zareth Mortis and they built all the other ones for all the other planes, what if the place they did it from is Azeroth? And the cosmos exists around Azeroth because literally it was built to do so. That there's a reason there's a channel from Zareth Mortis to Azeroth, and it's not to go from Zareth Mortis to Azeroth. It's to go from Azeroth to Zareth Mortis. Yep, the and, other way around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and all the other planes. It's not... <clears throat> calling it the final Titan might just be what the Titans thought it was. Right, because we don't know, but and, and but, what the what the void assumes it is based off of what the Titans yeah. assume it is. But it also might just be a question of, like I said, we don't know what the word Titans really means in this context. We don't know if the Titans are a kind of being or a classification of you know. It, it, it it's it's really not something we have a lot of information on. They're not gods exactly, but they certainly seem godlike. There, there's a my point being, though, if you had to, if you're making a cre- if you're creating something, if you're making a universe, how how do you make a universe? How do you order reality? You got to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you start, you know, when you start from somewhere, that somewhere is essentially the the first place you make. Maybe that's what this is. It's it's the first place. It seems balanced to us because everything had to come from there. So, of course, everything is coming from there. So you have all this stuff happening at once. You've got the access to the Twisting Nether. You've got access to the Arcane Realm and Order. You've got all this stuff because it all has to come from there. Or at least it all had to be brought from there to everywhere else. I'm thinking, like, imagining, like, a concept of a a hyperdimensional buttressed ceiling in a cathedral. You know what I mean? Okay. Like when you look up at the ceiling of a cathedral and all those pillars rise up and then they, they flow out and the interaction between them creates the vaulted ceiling. Like imagine if existence, all these planes of reality are coming out out of pillars and vaulting into their respective realities and it's all anchored in Azeroth. And that's why you need Azeroth to remake it. They used to talk about how the Emerald Dream seemed to be the blueprint for Azeroth, but what if it's the other way around? If blue, if if Azeroth, Azeroth came is first, the blueprint, yeah, Azeroth is the blueprint for everything, and because of that, it's certainly like they they used to say this is what Azeroth looked like before it was corrupted. Well, it kind of would look like that because that's would be where it, you know it was mirroring. It if if it's if if you look at like think about the the Shadowlands as a reflection of Azeroth because they seem awfully Azerothian, don't they? Like, you wouldn't expect a Plane of the Dead to just be, like, another realm that we just go to and walk around in, but that's what they are. They're just versions of Azeroth. What if everything is a reflection of Azeroth? Like, we get to the Arcane Plane, and it's just some, like, for lack of a better term, Arcane version of it. It looks similar and familiar because it has a familiarity because we were the Look at the Elemental Planes. You know, they were created by Titans and Titan Forge, but they're essentially just reflections of Azeroth. When Helia creates a plane, she you know creates a, a reflection of Azeroth. That's all these things are because that's all they have. They can't be anything else. And it would explain why it was so. I don't want to say so easy, but why somebody even of the power level of Helia would be able to tap in and create those planes, even with the the Titan facilities and things like that. You wouldn't necessarily associate at the time her being able to do that without some great wealth of power right yeah but it, if the if we talked before about how it seems like this stuff is fractal how it, you know yeah. you've got the the shadowlands and the, the zareth mortis and how that looks similar to the way the titans the titan forge every if it's fractal then everything that happens on the low on the low is not the right word but everything that happens on the fundamental level on the level of its creation would be reflected 
as you move up and down into the Mandelbrot set of its reality. And which would be why it would be easier as it unfolds from the origin point, the force of effort gets easier, so to speak, as it unfolds, because it's almost it's I forgot what the name of the system is. Uh, but there is a tension system that uh, allocates the tension when something else is added to it uh, in such a manner that it's almost takes no effort, comparatively speaking. Uh, but then removing that tension is exponentially more difficult. And that mm-hmm. would line up with some of the stuff we've seen before. Like we talked about why the Maw exists and why it wasn't removed and why it still isn't removed, right? It's necessary. Not, it's probably because it can't be. Because it's part of the structure. It's part of the structure at this point, And doing so is so difficult and requires so much power, not just because you would have to remove it, but because you'd have to knit everything else back together around it. It would cause a, a shift of such massive proportions that it just can't be tended. It's ripples, right? Yeah, uh, and I keep talking. We talked about last time we did this. We talked about the concept of the seventh force, not as an actual force, but as the negation of forces in much the same way that there is no such thing as cold. Mm -hmm. There's just the absence of heat. There's the absence of molecular motion. If you have a structure that is set up to perfectly emanate and reflect itself and to create reflections of itself, like ripples in a pond. To constantly grow and constantly create, such as we've seen Mm -hmm. for the creation engine in the middle of Zareth Mortis. Mm -hmm. But now think about what happens when you disrupt it, mm-hmm. that's the problem. Uh, like, think about arches. This is a really simple metaphor, but imagine this entire system is a series of vaulted arches. Arches are great if you put pressure on them from the top. If you put weight on an arch, arches are great at holding the weight. They distribute it throughout the arch. Arches are terrible if you come at them from the underside and punch through them. Or from the side if you knock the yeah. keystone. Yeah. If they can't distribute the weight, then an arch will fall apart. They're great for construction, but you have to be aware of shearing forces and so forth. What if that, you know, that, that's a metaphor here. It's not literally what's happening, but you think about it that way. That this entire creation is so elaborate and so advanced and it's making a reality. Did they do it on purpose? Did they mean to do this? Is this the best they could do to salvage what was left of their reality after a terrible conflict. We don't know. We know nothing about it. But it would also explain why things like the void and things like the old gods, they're shadows, right? Or they're mm-hmm. at least a shadow over of something that was cast when everything would, we, we talk about but, them like they are, but that's but why they can't the, be destroyed. They're part of this equation. They're part yep. of what makes it happen. This is why old you, gods can't be destroyed. This is why the Titans can't be killed. This is why these things they can be stopped, they can be transformed, but nothing but they're ever not truly really beings. Exactly. They're forces. They're not, they're, yeah, they're part of these this whole equation. They're part of the 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 music of this structure. The the when you look at a, a bridge, rust on a you know, you, you can't you can't kill rust. You can remove rust from the structure, but rust will reoccur. Because rust because is- it's it's a chemical process yep. involving you know, various elements. It, it's part of the physics that underpins the reason that the bridge can exist in the first place. And that could be what we're dealing with. Yeah. But, you know, so so maybe it's not a Titan because maybe the word Titan is too imprecise here. Uh, maybe the Titans are a specific emanation from one of the forces. Maybe Titans are the are the support structure for it we don't you know a lot a lot to this maybe titans are the reflection of what azeroth actually is yeah or they were made by you know the the first ones needed something that could actually stay here in this realm and tend it Mm -hmm. because they couldn't because they are that's what titans are they're curators right yeah they literally try to order the reality so they might very well be the the version of like you know we have the constellars and the constellars obviously serve the titans but also we saw the constellars in Zareth Mortis. So there's clearly a connection there. Perhaps the constellars are another layer of that structure created by the first ones, and maybe the titans are just a bigger version of that. Again, a fractal thing, and the eternal ones are similar for the shadowlands. Like the the shadowlands have their own structure derived from and based on that which was created on Azeroth. And the Eternal Ones are the versions of them there. And so we would argue that we could see different versions of them in each reality we went to. And clearly there's interplay because mm-hmm. 
the Shadowlands go through Ardenweald into whatever the life realm is, the Emerald Dream, we're told. Well, yeah, because that's what so, we know. We know we know that it touches the Emerald Dream because of the because Wild Gods. That's where, yeah. So the Wild Gods might, in fact, not just be something as, that exists only on Azeroth. They might be the Emerald Dream's version of this, which is why Ursoc's, uh disillusion is such a major thing, and it's why the old, the Wild Gods were able to intercede on Azeroth in a way that the Titans were not. Yeah. Because they're from the, that, that structure. So, but but there's a ton still to this. The wild gods might be the the equivalent of Titan Forged, like the you know like like Odin or Helia, still very powerful beings, but not on the level of Titans. There might be actual wild Titans out there that 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 maintain the Emerald Dream itself. There, there's still a ton of stuff we don't know. We don't know if we're going to come upon a bunch of different Zareths. So, I know that probably doesn't answer your question, Katara, but. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the if, response. If you wanted an actual straight answer to that, I don't know why you asked us because we're not the people for that. <laughs> but it is it is something to think about, and I think the big takeaway here is I think we need to start thinking of Azeroth not as a titan, but as something different. And I agree with that point of it. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's more to learn here, and I suspect we'll be learning more about it probably when we start learning about what the next expansion is going to be. All right, but we're going to move on to the next one, and this one comes from Lord Soth. I decided to finally jump back into Cyberpunk 2077 with the latest patch overhaul of the game. True to form, I started a new file, this time doing Street Kid. Uh, A slight comment in the intro quest caught my attention. V says that they would have stayed in Atlanta if it had been better than Night City. However, since they came back to Night City, we can assume Atlanta was worse. So I have to ask... Do we know what is going on in the world outside of Night City? It's pretty bleak, and yet somehow it's still better than Atlanta. How bad is Atlanta, then? Uh, it's not a question of Atlanta being worse than Night City. It's a question of V not getting opportunities in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, they're both terrible. Uh, Atlanta is in the NUSA, so it's it's got more actual government. Like Stuff is, is wilder in Night City because there's literally just the, the municipal government. There's no... There's no feds to actually, you know, impose more order on you. That's a reason that like Soviet agents are operating in Night City. There's a reason that the Chinese have spies in well, Night City. There's a reason that Arasaka fights so hard to keep Night City out of NUSA control. Also, Militech runs the NUSA. I was going to say, isn't also California not part of the NUSA because it's the free That's state? That's true. But Which New is, York, and, and, no, no, half of California is. Yeah, because Night City's in North California, right? I want to say. Yeah, but Night City is independent from Northern California as well. Mm-hmm. Night City is a complete free city by itself. Yep. Uh, Night City and the area around it uh, are part of like a, their own government. And that's heavily, sta- if you look at the various uh, data files and so forth in the game, uh, back when the when Night City was broken free from the NUSA, Arasaka put troops in Night City to keep it out of the NUSA. To, to, to stymie Militech and keep them from rejoining because Night City wanted a place where they could just do what they wanted without yeah. having to deal with government control. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Like, the world of cyberpunk is actually a lot deeper than I think people really th- mm-hmm. consider. Like, because everything usually takes place in Night City. But, like, when, when Matt's saying NUSA, it's New USA, uh, which yeah. is his whole structure. The new United States of America, yeah. Japan is the biggest empire on the planet, uh, having co-opted much of Asia uh, minus China, uh, which is. I would actually argue that by 2077, based on what's going on, that Japan is no longer that, that it's very much between China and India. uh, Yeah. Japan was uh, in the 20, between the 2020s and 2060 or so, between the various wars, including the fourth corporate war, Japan rose to be a, a global superpower. Uh, while the United States was basically falling apart. And then in the, the fourth corporate war, as a result of Arasaka's decision to, to flat out oppose Militech straight up militarily, uh, both countries are sort of on the, de- on the down of the decline. And it's China and India who are coming up. There's even a, I think there's a treaty negotiation. That there is. Mentioned. Yeah. There's a treaty yeah. negotiation between them. Uh, but the EEC is still around, which is the European economic uh, community. 
Yeah, EEC. Yeah. But the problem with that is that Europe has basically become almost unlivable. Which is why they're looking to try to get things into space and look to the stars for yeah. habitable habitable That's, stations. There's a whole thing about at one point Sweden is like sinking ships from mainland Europe that, that are full of refugees. Like the mm-hmm. European mainland is basically people are trying to get the heck out of it. Uh, so yeah, there's it is a bad world. It is absolutely a messed up world. It's not that Atlanta. It's not that Atlanta is worse than Night City. Uh, exactly, though, I would argue. It's that Atlanta is, A, it's right in the middle of Militech. You know, it's in 2077, but it starts in, like, the 2030s. As the NUSA ramps up and starts trying to unify the former United States, the the area that you'd call New York, New England, and Washington, D.C. is basically one gigantic city. Mm-hmm. And it goes straight down the coast. It goes into Atlanta. It goes into everything. That area is heavily controlled by Militech. Now, does this mean there aren't run- edge runners? Nope. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that. It just means that V, who is somebody who comes from California, if you're playing a street kid, she's from Haywood. She's from Night City, has absolutely no freaking contacts there. Yep. Going there was an attempt to prove herself, or himself, I guess, if you played as, as male V, uh, attempt to prove themselves, and it didn't work out, because you can't do a lot without contacts. Uh, you even see in the Street Kid Origin that since V is freshly back and hasn't reestablished themselves yet, they have to take a job from Kirk, and, and Kirk's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's a not good uh, person to be taking jobs from. But you have, and, V has to rebuild the social street cred because mm-hmm. they've been gone for so long, and that's why it starts there, right? It's this idea yeah. of uh, this is this is another thing that cyberpunk is is sort of built on as well is the whole idea of social credit. Uh, your standing and reputation dictates how you get to interact with people. Uh, it also dictates what you get for support and what happens, uh, you know, in terms of you know sometimes whether you live or die. The mm-hmm. The possibility and the reason that people flock to Night City is it's easier to earn that street cred there than it is in other places simply because it is so free. You have so many avenues of opportunity to pursue. Yeah, partially because all the big megacorps have an office there. Every single one of them. Everywhere in the world has something that touches Night City. Yeah, that's that's part one. Part two, there is only one government agency that you will be directly you know, opposing you. Uh, that's the night city police. There's like, this is not a place where if you're operating in Atlanta, there's various U S federal and state agencies that are going to be on you. Now that doesn't mean people don't still do it, but it means there's it's harder. It's a layer of complication. Yeah. Also uh, another thing to keep in mind is th- there's a point I don't know how to put this exactly. There's a point where Jackie is driving V home from their first, the first thing you do as a team in the, in the game, when you, 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 you find Sandra Dorson, I'll just leave it there. And Jackie talks about, you know, I can't stop digging night city. And, and V's response is, eh, it's a city like any other. And Jackie like, no man, uh, this is the place that, you know, Wayland Boa Boa comes from. This is the place that Morgan Blackhand and, the reason that that's important, th- those people were legendary runners from from about 50 years earlier. Uh, but importantly, their actions affected the way Night City became. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the jobs they took and pulled off. Uh, the draw of all these corporations is one thing, but it's also the fact that there is a real sense of network f- like what Joe was talking about. Your, your street cred is everything and you can establish it more easily. It's also the case that the city has grown up around this opportunity. It's it's if you're operating a night city, you're doing so because you know that it is a place where you can get anything. And as a result, the, the, some of the stuff in night city is actually significantly worse than other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Like the scavs operate a lot more freely in night city than they do in other places. Mm-hmm. Scav groups like like the one you see in in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven would be getting stomped on, not because the, the, you know, Militech and the U S government have any particular love or hate for them. That's not the point. The point is that it is interfering with what they want the city to be like, what they want their, their territory to be like, but in night city, the, the only government is the municipal government and they are ridiculously corrupt. Only in night city could a corporation just tell them close a district. Mm-hmm. 
And you see that Arasaka just flat out tells the mayor, close Watson. And he does it. You know, you couldn't do that in, in New York or Atlanta or Tokyo. Even. You know, as powerful as Saburo Arasaka is, he could not go to, he could not tell the government of Japan, close, close the district in Tokyo for me. But he can, he can yeah. in Night City. Yeah. Because the only reason Night City is as free as it is. Is, is Arasaka. Is Arasaka and the other corporations and how much money they pump into it. Which is, yeah. so th- I, this is one of the reasons I actually really like the cyberpunk world as far as like a story world goes. Which is why I, I kind of wanted to put this in here. Is it's, for, well I mean there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's a hellscape. It's, it's a hellscape, but it's logically consistent. Exactly. It's lo- It's a logically consistent hellscape. And it's so fascinating because it operates within the confines of its own rules very well. It understands its parameters. So to get back to the root of the question before we move on, that's why Atlanta was not a place for V and why Night City is sort of like this beacon for people like V and other runners, uh, because Again, you can make your own opportunity. You can make your own name. And once you have that name and we see you see this as you you move through the game itself, your credit allows you to move on from Night City should you so choose. Mm-hmm. Well, look, here's another thing, example um, of, what, of what Joe's talking about that I think is really germane. Um, when you first actually meet Rogue, not see her, you see Rogue once when you are not worthy to talk to Rogue. Yeah, she walks by you. Yeah, you, you see her. Then later on, you you walk up to Rogue. At this point, you're probably about halfway through the street cred system, which is actually something that's in the game that straight up tells you, this is how much reputation you have. This is how much... You're about halfway through it when you finally get an audience with her. And she's no, no nonsense. Matter of fact, it doesn't have time for you, really. Just takes your money, does a job for you. By the end of the game, you can walk into the, the afterlife and talk to her. You just walk up to her and talk to her. And she addresses you. She recognizes you. That's that's literally the the game itself showing you how far along you've moved, and it is it is part and parcel of the world that these people live in. Your there's a reason that I, I don't know this would it, this would be spoilers. No, I don't think so. This way. No, you, there's a reason you don't you don't haze your fixer to to use the phrase from the game. It's not that you like your fixer. It's not that you think fixers are great. It's that fixers literally hold your reputation in their hands. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who give jobs. If they blacklist you, you don't get jobs. If you don't get jobs, you can't build your rep. So there's an interplay here. And it's it's really big, a big part of the game. And it's really amazing to watch it unfold as you take jobs. And they in the 1.5 patch, they actually changed the game. So that it's more even more part of the story is that as you do things for fixers, they give you more work and they tell you, yeah, you've, you've done, you've done what I wanted so far and you've done it well. And okay, here's some more work. And eventually you hit a point where you've, you're, you've made it with them. You're, you know, they, they know who you are. They know your quality of work Mm -hmm. and that's, you've built that rep and it, it's the same everywhere. Mike Pondsmith is an amazing game developer, by the way. Uh, he's the one who developed the original Cyberpunk uh, 2020, which this is based on. And he's doing Cyberpunk Red now, which I, be- I believe is set in 2045. And it's he, he from the beginning, he understood that this was a vehicle to tell specific kinds of stories. And that's what he built into it. And that's what's still here in the video game. So, yeah. I'm going to shut up now, though, because I can gush about this game a lot, but we have other things to talk about. I wanted to I, I wanted to in, include it here because I also it's we talk about WoW a lot and WoW is a very vast game uh, that has existed for in universe terms twenty five years as far as that goes thirty almost oh yeah we're getting more like because yeah like we're talking the the the, the early nineties when it started yeah so, so it's yeah. been it's been around for a while but it's we we accept that it's vast I like pointing out games like cyberpunk at least in terms of of story and and depth of lore because it's been around longer uh and it's mm-hmm. not just a video game that existed now it's based off the video game is based off of world that has existed since the 70s like it is it is major stuff so i like i like talking about it whenever i can but we're going to move on from that one hopefully that answers your question lord soth uh we're going to go on to our friend vertigree who asked us uh on 
in your wildest imagination, could you justify Dalaran becoming our hub city once again? The rule of three tells me it's got to happen at least once more. I'd want it to be a larger hub than it was in Legion, so I'd say we dive into the biggest city we can find on the plane of order, like Suramar or Bigger, and they'll probably build a dock for it or just be organized. I want Dalaran to be a thing again, especially now that we've sort of progressed to a point where... For lack of a better term, neutrality is not necessarily a bad thing in terms of the game world. One of the things that uh, we talked about before that bringing up now I think is important is uh, look at the world, look at where we are story-wise. The Horde and the Alliance are at a ceasefire. They've already started to move on from antagonistic relationships as much as possible. There is always going to be conflict where the two meet at some point, but it's not outward war. It's not battle for Azeroth anymore. Uh, neutrality, working together in collaboration is a lot more feasible now, which means neutral cities, cities like Dalaran could become a thing again, because you're going to need places that operate outside of Alliance and outside of, of Horde areas of control that maybe are encompassed by both, or at least aren't governed by those, those technical bodies where players can safely mingle, where where members of both factions, while things are still being kind of figured out, have a place to go. And I would have zero issue if Dalaran was part of that spark of a place where something like that could begin to take root. Maybe Dalaran becomes a central point. Maybe it becomes the middle of the, the hub of the city uh, that springs up around uh, this neutral area or whatever the case is. Um, this is going to not to sound too nerdy or whatever. One of the things I really like is, is city planning and city design always been a passion of mine. And one of the things that always interests me is that uh, Frederick law Olmsted designed a city uh, concept where everything revolved around a central location and spun out from the middle, like a wheel. And as you got further from the center of the wheel, which in this case would have been like a downtown area or a main hub area, that's where you would have your residential areas. And then from those residential areas, you'd have your rural like farmish type lands on the outskirts of it so that everything was tiered and layered. I could see something like that happening with Dalaran, where Dalaran settles down as a neutralish location and then things start to spring up around it that sort of feed and reinforce that. Not unlike what we just talked about with Night City, but maybe less political and corruption, who knows. Uh, but I could absolutely see a world where Dalaran becomes that piece. What about you, Matt? Uh, have we had a swear yet? You can say one. We have one. Okay. Back in Warlords of Draenor, they, they teased me with the concept of us getting to see Shatrath as it was before everything that happened that led us to the world as it was in the burning crusade. And then we didn't actually get to go in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is some weak shit. That's, that's my one. There it is. <laughs> I want Shatrath. I want it as a hub. I want it. I mean, we can be going. Imagine if we, if we were doing an expansion that was all about traveling to the various planes, Dran outland is a great place to start. Outland would because it's right in the middle of the freaking twisting nether. It's oh, it's a great yeah. place to leap between worlds. And Shatrath could be our hub city. Except I'd like to see it rebuilt. Build it, rebuild it, spend some time fixing it. I, I one of the things that I really feel like I, I've I've always felt this way. The biggest missed opportunity of Warlords of Draenor wasn't anything that was in Warlords of Draenor that I thought was bad because I didn't think it was a bad expansion. I don't think the stuff that was there was bad. It's all the stuff that you didn't see. Like, that area to the south, like, that's the, the ogres came from. You see a little bit of it on some of the maps, but you don't ever get to go there or anything to do with it. What's, what's there? What's Instead of being on a floating island in the middle of the Twisting Nether, we had a whole planet and we didn't go to anything aside from the stuff that was just related to the the chunk of floating rock that we already knew about, you know, we didn't get to go to Farallon at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, and the other thing that keeps coming up and I understand that they were never going to do it. It wasn't the story they wanted to tell, but there is 
like this is a place 30 years back in a different timeway. What's going on in that world's Azeroth? With the Legion never shows up, what happens to that world? Do the old gods run rampant? Does the, you know, how does, what is the jailer's plan without the, the Legion and without Arthas and without the, the Lich King? How does his plan go forward? What does he do instead? You know where I'm going with this? Like that plan was thousands upon thousands of years in the making. And then suddenly there's, you know, there's no, no scourge. Like, how does he get the scourge to happen anyway? How does he do it? What, what does it look like? I realize this is not stuff that we were going to get, but it's stuff I think about constantly. I'm not so much concerned with drain with uh, quite frankly, if I never go to Dalaran again, I won't care. Um, they've, they've used it a couple of times. Um, but if they did bring it back and used it in another, in another expansion, I wouldn't be particularly upset either. Um, but I would like the idea. I like the idea of it being different when we go back. Yes. Like it's maybe they landed it. You know, it right, used to be exactly, part of yeah. a much bigger city. It used to be in the Dalaran Crater. Maybe they put it back there, you know? Uh, maybe they expand it. It is right like outside of Lodoran, isn't it? Yeah. The Dalaran Crater is right on the other side of the lake. You could you could see Lodoran from there. But maybe they don't put it back there. But maybe they they expand it. Uh, one thing they do have to do is eat some crow and, and talk to Jaina a little bit because mm-hmm. that was some B. Uh, you know, I, I like that Cadgar and Jaina had that little moment. Um, that's a nine point two spoiler, I think. Was it nine two or nine two five? I think it's nine two. I think it's uh, nine two five. I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it's happened yet. But you know, J- they've got a little moment with Cadgar and Jaina. That's great. Uh, I'm, I don't mind that. But I would like to see like Dalaran shouldn't just be okay. It's the same map again, you know, because we've done that now twice. We, we've seen Dalaran. We've seen that map. I would love it if we go back to Dalaran and now it's it's bigger or it's different. Maybe they've built up. Maybe they've got like maybe we they've done stuff with the part of it that was floating underneath of it, the 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 part that got ripped out of the ground. Just you know, the idea that, that Dalaran has moved on, that they've done things in this time. Because there's a lot of stuff after the end of the Legion invasion, what are the mages doing? I mean, Malagos has been dealt with. There's no the dragon aspects don't control magic anymore. What are they doing? Well, I think we're about to find out. Ha-ha. But that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. But so do I have a problem with Dalaran coming back? No, absolutely not. I would think it would be kind of cool, actually. But there are other places I think we need to revisit, too. And and like I said, Shatrath, absolutely one of them. I want to see Shatrath again. I want to know what's going on there. But, I mean, think about this. Like, you mentioned Suramar. What's up in Suramar? Now that it's essentially a part of the horde, right? Yep, it is. A, it is uh, technically you know, a horde city. What's going on with that? How come we don't ever like get a portal to Suramar? Why don't we? You know what I mean? Like it, it has not been integrated into the horde the way other cities have been. Yeah, I mean, um, in, in even in game, like I think you as a um, uh, nightborn, you have access to a single ward of the city and on neutral form, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. let's explore more of that. There's yeah, and what what are the void elves doing? Where do they live? Do they live just in Stormwind? Like, imagine if the vo- if we had like an expansion that opens up with like all those former high elf settlements that are like in neutral territory or even close to alliance territory. What if they've resettled them? What if you know the lawful and you know in uh oh what is it right near Irie Peak? Now that yeah, I was gonna say now that now that we also have the the scourge essentially being contained. And there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no Lich King to really drive them, drive them forward anymore. Like, do they well, we reclaim the some of the old Elven towns? Well, we know that the Scourge is actually coming back. That's sure. something we know that's going to happen. Like, that's that's going to be happening in this expansion. Um, but yeah, what if are there? Like, imagine if there's like competing Void Elf, High Elf, and Blood Elf groups in various old High Elf lodges. For that matter, or better yet, like, the know, Elves just decide to go. You know what? Let's be Elves again. Yeah, I mean, but there's lots of different possibilities. Um, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a lot of stuff. Like we know now that Strom, like Stromgard, is rebuilt and it's in Alliance hands. Like that's that's established. Uh, Cadgar even says something to that effect. That now we're going to expand from here. So they're holding the Arathi Highlands is Alliance now, and Stromgard is a functioning like bastion of the Alliance. What does that look like? What what is the the horde? You know. Until recently, they were unchallenged in that area. Now they've got, like, you know, they've lost Undercity. Mm-hmm. There's a big alliance settlement right in the middle of Arathi. Obviously, Airy Peak is alliance. 
what what are the horde doing? Do the horde still have Hammerfall? Do, do the horde have Taran Mill at this point? Like, what's the status quo of this stuff? I want to see it. I would. I want to. I like to do. There's more places to go back to than just Dalaran, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and you know what? Let's let's explore that a little bit because I mean, we're not really gonna have time to go into another question. Sorry, folks. Um, but like, what? What other places would be worth coming back to right now? I mean, obviously, a lot of them would. Uh, a lot of them would. But like, what? I thought you were saying word to yourself there. <laughs> a lot but, of them word. Uh, <laughs> like, I could have said word. I guess I do that sometimes. Uh, that's why it's funny. The but like I'm thinking about like Gilneas. We still have not resolved that. There's nothing resolved there. There's so many places that we could revisit that could become places to be. And like, oh man, oh man, the Gilneas one. Oh wow. Yeah, that, yeah. that's why. That's why I said we're not going to have time for another question. Uh, but before I turn it over to you, but like I'm just thinking about this in terms of we're entering a period where I think rebuilding should be on the table, right? I think that we should be looking as far as characters go coming back from the shadowlands with sort of a renewed for lack of a better term here. And I don't know how else to say it, like appreciation for life. And I knew so, you're going to say that. And you, do you remember gross, gross point blank? Yes. Yes. Goes, yes. Either that guy's, Either that guy's got a newfound respect for life or he's in love with that guy's daughter. I just totally heard you saying it in that voice, the, you are, the Dan Aykroyd assassin voice. You are not wrong. Uh, yeah. But like, but it's one of those things like how many of these places could we now look at and be like, we have, we've abandoned these places for too long. Now it's time for us to go back and, and imagine, fix them. Ooh, on ooh, Gilneas. Ooh, like, ooh, ooh. Imagine if that's the night I'll focus going forward. Yes. Yep. All those deserted night elf ruins you you, you all went over. exactly where i was going yeah all over the place the ones like they set up little like little settlements instead mm-hmm. of trying to rebuild darnassus and doing all that again they set up little little places all over the world uh forest song uh the the one in uh duskwood uh twilight grove i think it's called yep twilight grove yeah they, they build like settlements like the, the way that they used to have on you know in they they had little towns all over the north of Kalimdor. The way they that they that, were described in in Warcraft three specifically. Yeah, they they build little settlements and they they go back to that kind of lifestyle. But now they have them on both continents because they're they don't want to be centralized again because that did not work out for them. You know, we're, you know, we tried this whole capital city, you know, centralized authority thing. It doesn't work for us. It clearly did not work. Uh, if you need to talk to our leadership, go to Hyjal. You know, and that's, that's, that'd be cool. What, and, and, you know, for that matter, what if at this point, the, uh, the Zandalari and the Darkspear are, are together in the Horde? What if the thing that the Zandalari tried to do and Vol'jin opposed them on is now something that they could actually do with Horde help? Yeah. So you see all, like the Zulfarak, you know, all the various troll tribes that before wouldn't listen because they were too focused on, you know, doing it their way. They're, they're, at this point, their leadership's all been devastated. And now you have Talanji, who's like, not terrible? <laughs> yeah. You, I thought that Rastakhan was terrible, but yeah. But Rastakhan was very close-minded and traditional, mm-hmm. right? T- Talanji is more present. Like, we even see plus, that. Plus, ooh, plus. We, oh, we, we even see Vulcan that with her. Yes. It's now the Loa of Kings, Yes. So, yeah, you could totally, you could have the trolls expanding and reclaiming, not, I wouldn't say reclaiming their empire because that, that it's too disparate. The world's been changed too much, but trying to recreate the cultural contact they used to have between each other. Which we know is a big thing for them. That was the whole point of like Vol'jin and his people trying to find a new place to be. That's why that was such a huge event when they were able to settle uh, on those, the isles there, when they were able to have a place to claim of their own that wasn't just Orgrimmar, right? Like it was a big deal. It's a thing for trolls. So why not, why not showcase that? Why not showcase them going back to these places that yeah. either had to be abandoned or were under scourge attack or, or I know we're, have been I scattered. I know we're loose on time here, but I'm no, going to throw Do this it. last bit. Nomragon and yes. Mechagon. Yes. I, I think, honestly, I don't think it will be the next expansion because I think the next expansion is almost certainly already in the can. 100%. We know it is. Yeah. Uh, but... I would like it if in that expansion and in the future expansions, we see a world that 
is not peaceful by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want it to become people always say, Oh, it's going to be world of peace craft. I'm not looking for world of peace craft, but I am looking for world of not everything is on fire all the time craft. Yeah. You know, I, and imagine a world where instead of constantly fighting each other, we now maybe don't unite, but give each other space to try and rebuild and do other things. So you could have, like you could see the gnomes reclaiming Nomergon, linking up to Mechagon, creating this like a, a gnomish nation finally that they haven't had for decades. Uh, the dwarves finally coming together. The the Dark Iron are now seriously a part of it, and they're they're actually rebuilding Blackrock Mountain and Grim Batal. They're actually reclaiming those structures. This could be the theme of an expansion. Yeah, reclamation. You know, I mean, we, and we you could have it. You like, could have the elves. Maybe imagine a, a time where you get um I can't remember her name, Thalisra. Thalisra, uh Lorthamar and 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 uh Taranda in a room together talking. Maybe not tremendously happy with each you, other. You'd have to include uh what's her name? Uh Windrunner. Uh why can't I remember yeah, which one's the void? Alaria. Alaria. You'd have but, to include Alaria, but yeah. You'd have the, the you'd have the elves basically saying, All right. We don't necessarily trust each other and we're too different to ever try to go back and be one people again, but we are all elves Mm -hmm. and this world is, is not going well for us as a people. And we need to actually be at the point where we can talk to each other. And you could, you could do a lot. Like we mentioned the trolls already. Uh, The Torin have a similar situation actually. Yeah. Where now they've got the high mountain back and, you know, we know that we know that the, the Tanook exists now as well, that that's been present for the, for them, which is the first time forever. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff you could do with them too. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and just list everybody, but everybody does have something like this. Well, and this is, this goes along with something we've talked about a lot. We talk about a lot on the show is that we, we tend to go from crisis to crisis and we have literally for 30 years, like the in the game timeline, everything has been one emergency after another, after another, after another. And every time we think we have a handle on it, something else happens. And this is one of those few times where we are afforded a possibility of reflection and resolution. And I'm not saying that everything has, like Matt said, it doesn't need to be peacecraft all the time. But we like when the world shows evolution. Living worlds are what make the promise of an MMO so exciting. And when I say that, I do literally mean that. Like the promise of an MMO is to offer you a world that will constantly grow and evolve over time. We've had the current state of the world for a long period of time. The last major resolution we had to almost anything that I would say like had a global scarring was cataclysm. Anything that happened after it, there's been little tiny bits and pieces and bites and little tiny areas that may have evolved or changed. And those are very, very good, but they've never been a focal point. They've always been, oh, and by the way, this happened, except for Teldrassil burning, which is a huge, horrible event. But between Cataclysm and that, what else has happened? And now, since then, I would like to see the story of reclamation. We already have some of that healing going on right now. We talked about the cinematic last week. We talked about restitution being paid at least a little bit. I'd like to see the folks of Azeroth, the beings of Azeroth, looking to their regular people, not just the warriors, and saying, what can we do to get things back to the way they need to be? There's still elemental disasters in uh, Westfall. Can we try to get that under control? There's been a tornado that's been there since Cataclysm. That's prime farmland. The rocks are like floating, man. This is yeah. not how this is supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, can we can we start to look at like... Hey, maybe they can get some farmers from Outland to show up and show them how to farm on floating rocks. There you go. We could, we could see some... <laughs> that, that's, you, or you're, an alliance making, cooperation. You're making a joke, but yes, that's a thing that could happen. Hey, by yeah, the way... We- this is what we learned how to do by, you know, you can keep like X number of pigs. It's great. Like there are things that we can start to see some of this cooperation and healing of the world. And I'd love to see something where even if it's not the focus, even if it's something that's like the background soundtrack of what we're experiencing back on Azeroth, I'd like to see the world start to heal. The people start to heal a little bit before we move on to the next tragedy. I'd like to see that because I always find that the most fascinating it's not necessarily, 
you know, the big events, the big epic events that always need to be the most fascinating thing. But how do civilizations recover from it? How do they band together? How do they heal from it? And as a result, do they come out stronger? I'd like to see something around that. And we started to see that a little bit with like the Horde Council, a little bit. Like, I think it's important that, you know, when you have, when you're dealing with tragedy, if the feeling's strong and you can't go on, sorry, I, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I had to end this on a BG. That's okay. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us. Unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt. No, I actually have to get going fairly soon. <laughs> All right, folks. But I do want to thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreoncom slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. A better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Uh, again, if you have questions for this or any of our other podcasts, be sure to send them in. You can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Again, that's singular podcast. Uh, just specify what show it's for, whether it's for any of our three shows or one of our various uh, channels on Discord. Go ahead and send them in. Again, we try to give our Patreon supporters first billing. Uh, as a continued way of saying thank you for supporting us and allowing us to do shows like this. The last thing I'm going to say, and uh, again, uh, I'm going to one day hope that I don't have to say this, even though we're making strides, still not quite there yet, but all of us at Blizzard Watch still continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard and all of those in the game industry and demanding change for a better tomorrow, safer work environment, and fair treatment. Uh, so with that, folks, we'll see you next week. Pumpkins! And pigs.